Hi, I'm Brittany Hoffman. And I'm Madeline Phipps. Welcome to Shifting Ears, the internal podcast that we're starting here at Valley Metro. Talking about all things transit, transportation, and everything you need to know about the agency, behind the scenes, and some upfront stuff you may not know about. Good morning, Arizona, and welcome back. The time is just about 7.45 on your Wednesday morning, and what a morning it has been here on Good Morning Arizona following breaking news at Tempe Town Lake. Today, we're talking about the heavy rail bridge across Tempe Town Lake, which caught fire after a train derailed, and that bridge runs right next to our light rail train. I remember being woken up by a series of text messages. My phone started blowing up and I was like, oh my goodness. Local news stations picked up this story right away. It was a huge event over a course of many days to rectify the situation. They say they have 95 people out here. That's four engines, two ladders, and a battalion chief. That's what they have working. They also have plenty of people on standby. We just saw Guadalupe fire as well as Phoenix fire, others that are coming to assist. Certainly a scary morning too when you think about what could have happened. And so we're really thankful that the worst in terms of people being injured did not happen. It definitely impacted our service, not only that day, but the subsequent days after. Gina was telling us just a moment ago about some of the transportation changes that are gonna be happening throughout Tempe, as I mean, this is just uh, kind of stopping the world in this little area here. I was contacted by ABC World News, BBC International picked up the story. They wanted all of the information right away. So it was encouraging to see that we were still able to produce our service in the wake of this major event that was happening 45 feet away from our bridge. I wanna give a big shout out to our bus and rail ops teams for everything that they did to continue to create awesome service for our riders in the wake of this very tragic event. Well, the communications team, and we know so many teams across our agency had a really hectic morning. In some ways, it was almost unprecedented, the kind of disaster we were experiencing. There is one person who had a unique look at the situation and witnessed everything almost firsthand. I'm Adrian Reese, and I'm the Director of Safety, Security, and Quality Assurance here at Valley Metro. Adrian, as a former police officer, also knows what it's like to be in these fast-moving situations where the unknown is all that's known. And so for her to be our liaison, she definitely got that different experience being boots on the ground. It was early in the morning, obviously. I got an alert that uh, Union Pacific Heavy Rail had a collapse over Tempe Town Lake. I'm like, whoa, holy cow. We're 45 feet at the closest to this bridge. We had already stopped service at about 20 minutes after six. We were bus bridging. That's a huge lift. It significantly impacts, you know, our ridership, but we were safe. So when we first got the reports, it was that there was a train derailment that caused this major collapse of the bridge. So when you're looking at those videos and photos, all you see is this dangling train and then it's on fire. We just saw Guadalupe fire as well as Phoenix fire, others that are coming to assist Tempe fire out here. And they've just been dousing this area here closer to us. A lot of the people we spoke with this morning, just exercising, walking through the park, others driving to work at the time, just seconds after they heard a snap, crackle, pop. And the bridge continues to collapse as the fire continues to burn. And our light rail bridge is just a mere 45 feet away at its closest distance. And so for those flames and embers to be so close to our light rail bridge, 
I know that that was putting operations and safety and security on high alert to how we would operate our system and our rail service going forward. This was run as an incident management team. So you had incident commanders from UP, fire, and PD running the primary operations. We were considered a liaison or a stakeholder in that operation. So we participated in all of the debriefs, all of the hourly updates and so on. And we communicated our operation and our needs for our passengers' connectivity to get to places and try to coordinate it with their operation to recover and doing that safely. When we got really inundated with uh, CCTV footage requests, we were getting requests from everybody, FBI, NTSB, we had PD, everybody wanted video. So in order to wrangle the ask, because it was a lot of footage, I decided it was best to go get as close as I could. Something that she brought up was how different the actual scene looked and how much more terrifying it was being there actually in person up close compared to the news reports. First of all, I saw it on the news. I was like, wow, it completely collapsed. It's on fire. There's tankers down. And I realized that we really need to get to the scene to see what we could see. We didn't really know how impacted we were with our infrastructure. We were able to get fire escort into the scene. And I will tell you the carnage, seeing it on a picture or even live stream was not the same as seeing 200 yards away, the tankers on the ground, the video doesn't do it any justice. It was significantly a seismic impact that we felt. And that's why we reinspected the bridge before we ran service. It was a huge explosion. When you see it on the ground was just unbelievable. They were dealing with 118 heat. And we know in Arizona, we don't even want to go outside in 118, let alone with tons of PPE, lots of equipment that they're having to use and wear. These folks are down there in full jumpsuits, PPE, gloves, boots, you name it. And then sometimes Nivex suits if they're doing hazardous work, covered from head to toe, moving heavy equipment, working in dust and dirt, fire personnel too in their full turnout gear. Surprisingly, we didn't have heat exhaustion or heat issues, but I believe a lot of these folks were getting pushed to the max. Heat exhaustion is real. We are very lucky and thankful that they were able to get this under control so quickly in the atmosphere that they were dealing with. We were watching it play out in front of us. So we were down there trying to take our pictures and video of damage to our bridge. And then we know we have a controlled explosion coming in some time. So we want to take video and pictures pre and post blast. I was in jeans and boots and long sleeve shirt, but I wasn't wearing layers of clothing. So I will tell you credit to the folks who were called in across the country, contractors who were called in to do the cleanup and the recovery of the UP. Unbelievable. This incident was a disruption to say the least. And it's crazy that it happened in the middle of probably one of the most disruptive years that transit in our agency has maybe ever seen. I will tell you, there were several hours on the 29th. I actually, for the first time in several months, did not think about coronavirus because it was now becoming a subconscious activity to have your face covered. We were in some close quarters in the MAC van, so the Mobile Area Command crammed into this big trailer. I don't have their dispatch. I don't have their radio comms. We are trying to meter how many people are in there because at times we had to go in and get information. So we're making sure, you know, we have face coverings on, but then you're talking to people, they can't understand you. I'm like, wow, I'm standing in this very close area proximity to people. 
And we have to remember that we got to keep our faces covered, that we can't spend too much time this close to each other. But we've also got to communicate because they're inside work in the radio and communicating to the crews. But I got to ask them a question. Pretty much from the beginning, operations, service, bus and rail, we all kind of had to work together to transition and put a bus bridge in place to move passengers from one side of Tempe to the other without being on the light rail system. It was a major impact just from one Union Pacific Railroad train going across one bridge. We wanted to get eyes on our bridge to see if we had any damage. So really coordinating our activity with their activity in preparation for our recovery, return to service was key. Communication was key. We don't want to compromise our passenger safety until we, number one, make sure it's safe for us to operate over our bridge, knowing that we had this significant incident. We did it that night. So pretty quickly, our team shut down our power to the light rail from 50th Street in Washington almost over to University in Rural. It was partly to keep people and things and trains and objects out of the area while all of the first responders dealt with the emergency, but also because having active electricity near a fire, probably not a great idea. As public information specialists, it's our job to know what's going on with our service, but Adrian just got this huge rush of additional information that we weren't really privy to at the time. We did have some breakdown in communication even during the incident early on. We had fire accessing our guideway without making sure that we were aware. They thought someone had called us, but they didn't. And hose was dragged across our north end of our guideway, and we had power up. Thank goodness our ops team recognized that on the cameras and powered down, de-energized the catenary, so fire could start putting water on that far north end. We had a breakdown once again with communication where we energized the wire so we could close the gap on that bus bridge because we were having buses bridging folks from way off in the distance because we had shut power down. So once we re-energized, we physically had FaceTime with incident command and said, okay, we're all in agreement. Power will be up. No one is to foul the bridge. And we still had another breakdown. We had three fire crews up on the bridge watching the operation below. And I will tell you, the fire chief lit them up. It's interesting to see how much communication has to happen in a major emergency event like this and what is prevalent to each agency and what everyone needs to know. There was already talk the day of the event that this bridge will be back in service in the matter of a couple of weeks. And none of us believed it. And it was exactly 14 days post-incident. You had a fully loaded UP train running on that bridge at about 8.30 last night. City of Tempe was advised, fire was advised, PD was advised, and we wanted to watch it run a little bit before we ran our trains. To see this bridge go up in two weeks, it was amazing to think about all of the coordination and effort that had to go behind that to rebuild this bridge. Again, it was just reassessed and there were some repairs made to it earlier in the month even. And so for this section of the bridge to be rebuilt again so quickly just goes to show how much communication and back and forth effort it was on everybody's part to get this area of Rio Salado and that area of Tempe cleaned up and running back to normal. 
Shifting Ears is about a lot of different things, but most importantly, it's about the people who make up Valley Metro. So we're introducing a new, hopefully recurring segment called Ask the CEO. Send in your burning questions that you have for our CEO, Scott Smith. And these aren't just agency questions, Maddie. You can ask him anything. What do you want to know about his personal life? He'll tell you all about his grandkids. I know he will. So send them to podcast at valleymetro.org. Well, we have a really exciting project actually just getting started. The Northwest Extension Phase 2 is now being built officially. One of the major exciting parts of that project is a new light rail-only bridge that's going to go across the I-17. I will tell you, even before this, and the project manager will chuckle if he's even listening, how many conversations we had about bridges in the overpass over the freeway. Actually, that was one of my first thoughts when this fire happened was, oh, we're about to build a bridge. Hopefully (laughs) something like this won't happen to us. I'm not an engineer. I couldn't imagine myself being an engineer. I'm not that mathematically inclined. We really are relying on our very, very, very smart engineers to ensure that we have a structurally sound bridge. So I ask a lot of dumb questions. And of course, you never want an event like this to occur. But now that it has, we have experience and opportunity to look at this and say, what occurred here? What can we take away? What can we make sure we are doing in the future to avoid this at all costs, to learn best practices from what happened here? And I think that's the biggest thing is asking dumb questions. Sometimes people go, oh, I never thought of that. And I think of the dumb stuff. You know, hey, we're spanning the I-17. You know, how heavy is that bridge? Our trains are pretty heavy themselves, so we're putting a lot of weight over there. I know railroads run over bridges all day. This will be really our first time, and we're spanning I-17, and we have pedestrians. We know we're going to do the wrong thing, and they're going to try to walk over our bridge. So all of those things come into play, and now when I'm considering bridges, things that happen underneath our bridge that could be impactful. Things that happen adjacent to our bridge impacted us directly and indirectly. It shut our service down, so we were directly impacted. And we did suffer a bit of damage to our bridge, so we were directly impacted. Yeah, it definitely changes the way you look at things. You know, even the quality of the elevators you use. We don't want cheap elevators. We want robust elevators because lessons learned are people are going to use them. We don't want them breaking down. All those little questions that a safety or security person definitely should ask. Adrian talked about that communication breakdown. How do we create a plan so if something does happen like this or there is a minor incident with either the bridge over Northwest Phase 2 or the South Central Extension already existing bridge, what does that communication look like going forward if there is an incident for us? And that's the thing is we're all learning quite a bit from this is that We can say it's a perfect plan, but human factors put into play. You get the urgency of a, hey, I've got to take this action right now. And you have to make sure communication is clear and that what you're seeing is what you're seeing, that you're communicating it appropriately so we can have a better response. I think it's important for us to take this time to look at the incident that occurred and figure out how we can plan and prepare better for it if this ever happened to us. Ask the dumb questions. That's what I always say. Speaking of projects, we have so many coming up. So if you have a question for one of the project managers, an engineer, a designer, a planner, let us know. This is a podcast for you. So if there's more about the agency that you want to know, email us at podcast at bellymetro.org. 
And a big thank you to AZ Family for the use of the audio clips in this episode. Hi, Madeline. I'm Brittany. Thanks for riding with us. We'll meet you at the next stop.